Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. We're going to get into it today, um, but we're talking about our series called The Choice. And for these last few weeks, we've been talking about choices. And as I've been sermon prepping this week, I have felt like such a dad in these moments. Because we're talking about choice and it's don't, don't do this, do that. I feel like such a dad. So it's only right that we start off with some dad jokes today. Yeah, so Bob Heath, where are you at in the building? Bob Heath. Knock, knock. Owls. Yeah, owls. Yeah, they do. I'm sorry. Chuck Purcell, where are you at in the building? Chuck, do you know what's so great about Switzerland? I don't know either, but the flag is a big plus. <laughs> you don't get that one, Switzerland. It's a plus sign. All right, last one, I promise. The king of all dad jokes. John Janky, where are you at? I see you. John, air used to be free when I put him in my tires. Now it costs $2.50. You want to know why? Inflation. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's terrible, church. I am so sorry, but it helps me a lot. So we're talking about choices today, and let's just get this out of the way. Like I said, I feel like a dad. This is not some type of code, some type of announcement. I am not a dad. All right? Don't be like, well, Pastor Bailey said something questionable. No, I'm not a dad. We're not going to be that for 10 years, all right? All right, cool. So, and I couldn't really help myself. I was like, let's just get it going. So, the series is called The Choice, where direction over intention leads to our destination. And every week so far, we have posed a question to start out the sermon. So, Pastor Jim told you week one, have you ever had an I told you so moment? Right? Last week, Jocelyn said, have you ever had a crash and burn moment, and we learned about Jocelyn's amazing experience in the track and field industry and pole vaulting. Well, today, I have a question that I want to pose to you, and that question is, has there ever been a moment in life where you wanted a do-over? Has there ever been a moment in your life that you wanted a do-over? Now, church, I think you know me pretty well. If you know anything about me, Y'all already know, I got a story. So, picture this, 16-year-old Bailey. Now, I started coming to real life nine years ago. Ten years ago, I was 16. For reference, this is what I look like ten years ago. JT, notice I'm a Cowboys fan then, I'm a Cowboys now. I've been dealing with mediocrity for my life. So, that is me. Obviously, I have improved. I have matured. I've gotten a haircut. Shout out to Jasmine at Perez Studios for the haircut. So that was me 10 years ago. 16 years old, what's the one thing a 16-year-old wants? Driver's license. Amen. The one thing I wanted at 16 was a driver's license. And here's a fun fact that you probably have never known about me, and I'm going to share it with you today. I failed my driver's license Four times 
before getting it on the fifth. Now, 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 parents of you students in the building, I am a good driver, all right? I don't want, oh yeah, Mr. I, I failed my driver's test four times, I bet. I am, I promise, I have matured so much, got a haircut, I've learned how to drive. Okay, so don't hold this story against me. I am sharing this in faith and in love. I am a good driver, I promise. If you don't believe me, see me after church, you're going to sit in my car and we're going to do laps around the parking lot until you believe me, all right? We're getting to that, Bob. So, failed my driver's test four times, and to be honest, I wish I had a do-over all four times, but there was one time specifically that I wish I had a do-over. So, four times, two out of the four times, I failed on parallel parking, and if we're being honest, who parallel parks to begin with? Amen, right? Like, oh yeah, all the dads in the room, yeah, that's, that's me, Pastor Bill, yeah, listen, if I'm driving in Erie, and I see a spot that I have to parallel park in, I'm not going to be like, oh, I got this. I'm going to be like, yeah, there's probably something down the block. We're just going to keep going. We don't use parallel parking today unless there's dads in the room. But parallel parking is something that they have you do on the test. I hope they change it one day. But anyways, so I failed it two out of four times in parallel parking. The third time I failed, it was due to speed control. Now, let me just tell you, my instructor, I took it out in Meadville, the instructor wasn't the greatest instructor in the world. He was one of those, like, grumpy guys, like, just a factory of grumpy, you know what I mean? And he gets in the car, he doesn't say anything, like, hey, good morning, how are you doing? And he doesn't do any of that. He comes in, turns the radio off, and just sits with his clipboard. Pressure, right? I've already failed twice, so here we go. So, third time, I, I pass parallel parking, praises, I get on the road, and we're in the driver's test, he's not talking, and we're just sitting in a silent car. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. And he goes, hey, how, how, what, what's your speed right now? I'm like, I don't know, like 25? He goes, you might, you might want to speed up a little bit. I'm like, okay. So I speed up a little bit, and then five minutes later, he goes, well, how fast are you going? I'm like, I don't know, like 35. He goes, all right. And then he fails me for speeding. I'm like, make up your mind, man. Am I going too slow or am I going too fast? Right? Third time failed. Fourth time. Fourth time's where it's at. So the fourth time is where I wish I actually had a do-over. See, the fourth time I get there, same, same place, Meadville, I'm a frequent flyer at this point. Um, get there and it's a new instructor. New instructor, new guy walks out and I think, let's go, Cuzzo. You're getting your license today. <laughs> Wrong. Because remember, I failed my fourth time and passed on my fifth. New instructor comes out super nice, totally different. Hey, bud, how's it going? Oh, it's going good now, man. And he says, all right, let's do this. Parallel parking, easy. Got it. On to the driving. We're crushing it. I'm making him laugh. We're chatting. Music's on. It's a great time. Right? And the guy's like, all right, Bailey, you're doing good. Let's, uh, let's make a turn. Let's, uh, let's start heading back. I'm like, I got you, Captain. We got this. I'm going to have my driver's license tonight. Nah. See, he said, all right, go ahead and make this right turn. And after you make this right turn, we'll start. I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. So I go to stop, and I didn't give myself enough room to stop. I hit like ice something, and I slide across the road and into a ditch. 
Thank you. I was so worried that when I said that, you guys would be like, oh no, I hope the car's okay. But what I want you to understand is this was a two mile an hour wreck, right? And it just was like, oh no. <laughs> and so it's actually pretty funny. But what's even better is I was 16 at the time. The driver unclicks the pen and says, bye. I had, a, I had a feeling that was going to happen. You need to give yourself more time to stop in these snowy conditions. Unclicks his pen. And 16 years old at the time, I said the most 16-year-old Bailey thing I possibly could. I looked this grown man dead in the face and said, does that, does that mean I fail? <laughs> and he just looks at me and goes, yeah. <laughs> so... Parents, I promise I am a good driver. Don't let that hold me against me. I have not been in a wreck since. It was just on the driver's test. I passed it the fifth time. I took it up in Erie. So, I don't know if that says about Erie's driving test, but I passed. So, but all that to say, we all have instances in life that happened that we wish we had a do-over. Because chances are, that if we get a do-over or a second chance, it's going to be a lot different than the first time. See, if I would have gotten a second chance that day, you better believe I would have passed. If I would have got a second chance that day, you better, you better believe that I would have started stopping as soon as we turned onto that road because I ain't failing the second time, right? So the sense of do-overs is nice in theory. But unfortunately, we don't get do-overs in life. And since we don't get do-overs in life, we have to take time to make the right choices and to keep us on the right path today. That is why we are going through this series. We can stay on the path. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 27, 12, it says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent or the wise will see danger and take refuge, while the simple will keep going and pay the penalty. See, the wise will know to slow down and give themselves extra time to stop in snowy conditions, while the simple, well, the simple is just going to keep going and they're going to end up in a ditch, right? So when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to our choices, when it comes to the decisions of life, we have to stay prudent. Because when we are prudent, we see the danger and we take refuge or else we pay the consequence. To break it down even farther, there is a quote from a pastor that has resonated with me since I was a teenager. And it is, the choices we make will bring us closer or farther from our destinations. Reverend James Grove II. <laughs> see what I did there? It's our pastor. Our choices we make will bring us closer or farther from our destination. The choices, whether or not we like it, have a direct impact on our path. See, if your goal is to lose 10 pounds and you're a frequent flyer at McDonald's, you ain't losing 10, you gain in 10, all right? Or we say, Man, I need to save money. I looked at the bank account, and it's a little scarce. 
So we need to start saving money. But you are going to Starbucks every day to get the Mocha Joka Java Chip three times whip espresso that costs $25. You ain't saving money. So big or small, no matter what we decide in life, the decisions we make have a direct impact on what we do and where we are at on the path. And this right here is where Proverbs is telling us to be prudent. Because when we see the danger, we take into consideration as prudent, we take the consequences into consideration. We see as the wise that if we do this, it will turn into that. So therefore, I need to stay away. Because if I'm a frequent flyer at McDonald's, I ain't going to be losing 10, I'm going to be gaining 10. So if we are the prudent, we see our actions from today will have immediate and direct impact on our future or on tomorrow, right? But the simple, see, the simple will just keep going and pay the penalty. The simple basically will not take into consideration what tomorrow has. They are focused on the now of decisions. The simple will not take anything but the now into consideration. There's what I do today does not affect me tomorrow because I'm in today. So they won't see the repercussions of their actions or their decisions today in the now decisions that they make. And here's to be honest, church, we've all been there before. We have been walking down the path. We've seen warning after warning. We've seen danger after danger, red flag after red flag. But what do we do? We just keep going. See, and here's the tricky thing about being the simple in this passage is because half the time we don't even know that we're heading towards danger. Normally, it's just the little things that keep piling up and piling up. And next thing you know, we're stuck or we're suffering or we're paying the penalty as the Bible says. See, when we, what we say is we say, I didn't see the danger. I didn't see the red flags going in. And, you know... I didn't see that I wanted to keep up with the Joneses and I wanted to buy all the newest, greatest stuff so that way I can compete with Ted next door or I can impress my friends with everything. So now, I didn't see that. So now I'm broke. And now, I ain't got no money and I can't afford anything. I can't even afford groceries because of my decisions of yesterday. Or we say, I didn't say, I didn't know that if I didn't feel like coming to church today, and I stayed home, and I watched online, and now it's become a habit. And now I feel disconnected from the body because I'm not in church. But hey, I got the live stream though. But it's not the same because I don't have that contact. So now, unfortunately, I didn't see that. And now I've developed a habit, and I haven't been in church. And I feel disconnected from the body. See, some of us are on the path today that is leading to danger. Or some of us may even already be in danger. We ignored the danger, and here we are. And see, the question gets posed, the question gets asked, PB, what can I do? I didn't see the danger, and now I'm stuck. How did I get here? How did I let this happen? How in the world did I let it get out of control? And if that's you today, you came to church, let me tell you, because we have the answer in Scripture. See, if you are on that path, I just want to encourage you that if you're in danger or you're towards the danger, that there is hope, 
and there is redemption for you today. And that's not just me telling you that, like I'm sermon prepping in my office and say, that sounds good, I'm going to put that in and see what they say on Sunday. Maybe I'll get a, mm. No, that is backed up by Scripture. And let's get into it today. This is what Scripture tells us. We're going to be in Luke 15, 11 through 32. That's where we're going to be camping out today. If you know your Bible or you're familiar with it, Luke 15, 11 through 32 is the story of the prodigal son or story of the lost son. And this right here is a story of bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. This story right here gives us a live look at what happens when we're in danger. But it also gives us the answer to what happens when we're in the danger. So if you're familiar with it, you know. It's a story of the lost son. There's a man and two sons, an older and a younger. And one day, the younger son of the two comes to the father and he says, hey, I want my inheritance right now. Basically, what he is saying, he's saying, hey, I can't wait for you to die. Now give me what is owed to me now. Driven by foolishness and greed. He says, dad, I wish you were dead. I want this money. That's, that's bad decision, number one. So the young son keeps it going, and it just keeps going downhill. He takes this money, and what does he do with it? Well, he puts it in a Roth IRA, and we're going to live off the dividends, Dad, right? No. The Bible says he took the money, and he spent all of the money on wild, crazy living. The Bible says he moved out, went to the, Israel of, the Miami of Israel, and just started blowing money left and right. Spent all of it. See, that's like, that's like 10 bad decisions right there. But the tricky part is when it comes to making decisions on the path, we don't see the danger ahead of us. We don't see it and we just keep walking. When we're on this path, we don't see the end result of our actions and we don't see the long-term effects. And see, what I want to do today is I want to put ourselves in the young son's shoes because chances are we've been there before or we're currently on this path. See, if we look at it from the young son's perspective, he is living it up. He's on dad's dime. He's not spending his money. He has all these friends. They're out there having a good time. They're eating like kings every night. And I'm talking the crazy stuff that's not even on the menu. Like they are in it. They are partying. It is a big old party. And to him, all he sees is I got friends. I got anything I want whenever I want it. And I don't even have to pay for it. It's not even my money. How many are with me today? That he, you can't see your actions. Because in the young son, he is thinking, man, I got it made. He didn't see the danger ahead. Because right after, it says he spent all of his money in a party. It says after he spent all of his money, just as that was happening, as soon as the last dollar went he ran out of money, and a great famine hit the land. 
and he was starving. So what did he do? He talked to a farmer in the land and said, hey, you should let me work for you. And the farmer was like, sure. Yeah, that sounds good. So he started working for the farmer, taking care of the pigs. And the Bible said he was so starved that he looked at the pig food and said, man, I want some of that. Pause. Do you all know what pigs eat? Anything. I got another story. But, see, do you know what pigs eat? Because pigs will eat anything. I know from firsthand. Not because I was a pig farmer. But I worked at the Second Harvest Food Bank. Actually, Tori uh, Troncone and I both worked at the food bank. And in our time, in our career at the food bank, we would work in the volunteer department from time to time. And what our job was, was to run volunteer shifts, right? And so what that would look like is if someone donated food to the food bank or anything like that, we would sort through it with the volunteers, you know, we'd have like, we'd have zones, right? Like, here's, here's the good stuff. It had good expiration, no dents, anything like that. It's good. Scratch out the barcode, good. It's going to get packed and get it on the shelves, everything like that. What about the bad stuff? That's a great question. So, when there was something that was expired, dented, anything like that, we put it in a nice big tote over here. And no matter what, they'd be like, our, our saying was, when in doubt, throw it out, right? So at the end of the project, all the good stuff goes on a pallet, goes into the racking, and gets ready for people to eat. While the bad stuff, the bad stuff had a label on it. Tori, help me today. What did... The totes say, pig. It was labeled pig food. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, a, there's farmers in Erie that will come to the food bank, take this tote, open all the cans, mix it into Wilbur's food, and then serve it to the pigs. Yeah. Bacon tastes amazing. Their food, not so much. But this is where we're at today, church. This is at the point we're talking. Young son wanted to eat that. Ugh. Obviously, they didn't have like expired cans back then, but you get what I'm saying. Young son wanted to eat that. He was so starved. He tried to squeeze in, like, hey, let me in here. I'm trying to get some. And then the Bible says he comes to his senses and basically gets the bright idea, yo, why would I eat this? Great realization. Saved you a lot of trouble. But why would I eat this? Surely the servants back home have better food than this. And surely there is an abundance there. I've seen what the servants eat, and if I'm being honest, it's a lot better than this. I bet if I go home and beg my father, I bet he would let me into the servant's house. Now, how many know, as I, as I was saying before, we can put ourselves in these shoes today? See, the son had been off doing crazy stuff. He had said, Dad, I wish you were dead. I can't wait for you to die. Left. 
and spent all of his money. He said, Dad, you have nothing left to offer me. I'm out. By the way, I'm gone. I'll see you. See, blinded and simple heading to danger. At the lowest of lows, getting ready to eat pig food leftovers comes to his senses. Man, I messed up. I messed up big time. I can't believe that I've let it get this out of control. I can't believe I let it get this far. Hello? I am broke, I am starved, and I am all alone. See, before, eating like a king, all the friends, having all the fun, I bet if he, wouldn't have, if he would have known this is where he would have ended up, guess what? Probably would have saved a little. Maybe didn't, took my Roth IRA option. But because he was simple, blinded, heading towards danger, this is where he is. Starved, broke, all alone. And he says, I should go back to my father. And surely, if I beg and plead with him enough, he will let me into the servant house. I understand that I can't come back as a son. I've messed up too much to come back as a son. I've messed up. The, the relationship is damaged too much for that to be restored. So I'm going to come back. I'm going to beg, Dad, you don't have to, I don't have to be your son, but please just let me into the servant house. And church, this right here is step one of getting out of danger. This right here is the answers to getting unstuck today. See, in order for us to get out of danger, we have to realize that we are in the danger. And it's not an easy task sometimes. Why? Because to realize that we are in danger, one, we have to realize where we're at, but we have to tell ourselves and come to the conclusion that we are being simple, that we were wrong, and that our actions inevitably led us to this point. Ouch. Right? So step two. Step two is to have a directional change. See, you have to realize you're in, you're in danger and you're in the danger. That's step one. Step two is now you got to get out of the danger. And how do you get out of the danger? Change direction. There needs to be a directional change. And that's even tougher, more tough, whatever, whatever the thing is. But... We begin to think, as we're getting ready to leave the danger, we start to think, man, we got to come back from the way we came. And I've messed up too much to go back. I am too damaged to come back. I'm a lost cause. I've been out of church too long. Y'all, you, you understand it's been like months since I've been there. It's going to be weird. Not a chance. But we say these things to ourselves. And we say, do you, I don't even remember the last time I picked up a Bible. I don't even remember the last time I prayed. God probably forgot about me. If that's you today, or you know somebody that is in that right now, 
I just want to tell you that those are the lies of the enemy. And it's time for you to come home. So I'm going to start wrapping up here. So if the band can come help me close out, that would be perfect. I say that, but it's probably going to be longer. But the lies of the enemy, if that's you, those are the lies of the enemy. And it's time for you to come home. And you want to know how I know that is a lie? It's not just just me. Oh, yeah, that's a lie. No, it's scripture backed up because verse 20 is where we pick up. And verse 20 says, so he got up and went to his father. He realized where he was, and he realized, I need to get out of there. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I don't want you to miss this today, church. See, scripture is written a certain way for a reason. When his father saw him. Scripture doesn't say, oh yeah, so the servant saw him, ran to get the father, interrupted a big business meeting, and the father came out and then saw the son. Scripture doesn't say, no. Scripture says that when the father saw him, and it's, oh, you probably picked a translation that works best. Mm-mm. The NIV says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. The NLT, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long ways off his father saw him coming new king james and he arose and came to the father but while he was still a great way off his father saw him the bottom line today church that i want you to understand is god is never going to stop looking for you It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you messed up. It doesn't matter how far the relationship is damaged. The one thing God wants is he wants you to come home. He wants you to come back to the Father. It's time for a directional change if that's you today, church. And it's not, it's going to be weird. I don't understand. No, because scripture tells us that the Father is always looking. And that's not even the best part. The father's always looking, but what happens when the son gets to the father? Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Give him a ring, put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. That right there is why you need to come home. See, the son is sitting there. Oh, man, I messed up too much. I messed up way too much to come back to the father. I've messed up so much that maybe I'll just be a servant instead of a son. But when the father saw him, he ran to him and he said, my son is home. He was lost, and now he is found. Welcome home. 
Let us celebrate, because I thought he was dead. But here he is right here in front of me, and he's alive. God wants to restore you when you come back home. He wants, to, he wants you to come home, and he wants to restore you. He says, quick, my son, my daughter has come home. Let me clothe them in my redemption. That's not enough. Get some shoes on these kids' feet. Let me give you my grace. Why? Because my son, my daughter is now home. I didn't think you were coming back to me. You told me you wanted me dead. But here you are. Alive. It's time to celebrate. God wants to restore you today, church. And see, here's the thing. The decisions we make today, whether it will either lead us closer or farther from our destination on the path. But there's a big choice for us today, church. And that's whether or not we need a direction, directional change. We need to change direction. If you are the young son, if you're the young daughter, it's time to come home. Because the Father is waiting for you. Scripture tells us he's waiting. Open arms, ready to celebrate for you to come home. That is my prayer today. That if that is you on the path, it doesn't matter what happened before. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is that you come home. That is what matters today, church. And as we continue this series, as we break into life groups, I want us to be praying for the prodigal. I want us to be praying for the lost. Not just the lost that, oh, we, we want them to walk into church. I'm talking about the lost that are in church but are backslidden. I want us to pray for them as well. In groups, we need to get connected and we need to be praying for them. We're praying for people to come home today, church. That is my challenge today. Our choices have a direct impact on our path, but the most important choice today is whether or not you're coming home. It doesn't matter what the other choices are. That's the choice today, is if you are coming home. And that is what I wanna pray on with you today. So if you're with me, if you can pray with me today, church, we're gonna be lifting it up. We're gonna be praying over this today. That we wanna see people coming home to the Father, because the Father is waiting. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God. God, I thank you so much for this church family. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity, God, that you laid this message for us to hear today, God. And Lord, I just pray over this congregation right now, Father. God, that we need to take an inside look at ourselves today. God, we need to understand where we're at in the path and on the path, Father. God, I pray that you have open hearts right now, Lord. God, if anybody is in danger or in the road to danger, Lord, that they just resonate with them today, Father. That this message, that your message, Father God, just resonates today. God, I want to pray over the lost. God, I want to pray over the people that you're going to send to real life in the future. But God, more importantly, I want to pray over the people of real life 
that need to be in the house, Father. God, that they have been taking a road less traveled, God, that they are on a path right now heading to danger. They're backsliding, God. God, I pray for them right now, that they understand, Lord. They come to a realization, God, that you're waiting for them. You're waiting for them with open arms today, Father. So God, I pray over this congregation right now, God. I pray that we take this to heart, God. And Lord, I just pray over the groups this week, Lord, that they continue to pray over the lost. God, that we continue to win for you, Father. God, I thank you so much for this family. I thank you so much for all that you're doing in this place. I thank you so much, Father. God, I lift this up in all things. In your precious and holy name, Father. Amen.